Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I am your host, Aaron Osborne. Um, this week, we have a cool show. Um, my guest is Lachlan Watt. He's the host of The Racket on Triple J. Um, I've known Lachlan for quite a long time from playing in bands and writing for magazines and doing the radio. Um, so I thought it would be cool to have another person who contributes to a, a national radio broadcast and um, talk about how he's sort of interacted with music and how he's you know got into music primarily and how that's sort of grown for him and how his interest in music and his interest in uh, contributing to music has led to him having a career in the music industry effectively. Um, so yeah, it was a really cool chat. I'm psyched Lachlan was happy to come and do it and talk about all sorts of different things that he's involved with. So it was rad. Um, a side note for this episode, it is episode 20, which is amazing. Thank you so much for everyone who's uh, come and been a guest on the podcast and who's listened to it and subscribed to it and stuff. Uh, to that note as well, however, this week the podcast um, is taking a brief reprieve from being on iTunes. Uh, something is sort of mucked up with our online things. However, this episode will obviously be on SoundCloud and Stitcher and stuff too. And hopefully by the time some people are listening to this in the next couple of days, it'll be back on iTunes as I'm just trying to resolve that issue at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise everything's going well. I just sent off to get some stickers made. They're coming soon. We have the shirts at the web store. The stickers are on there too now. The stickers are $2.00. Um, with paid postage, the shirt's $15 with postage on top of them because I can't afford Australia Post ridiculous prices, unfortunately. However, if you want to support us, that is uh, much appreciated and it would be lovely. Uh, thanks to everyone who's bought a shirt and some stickers so far. It uh, means a lot. Um, and yeah, enjoy episode 20. I know I have. I've got so many cool things coming up. So many cool people have said yes to doing this, so really looking forward to continuing doing this and uh, continuing to create chatter while I drink beer for people to listen to. Um, anyway, Lachlan Watt, episode 20, Oblivious Maximus. Brutal! Lachlan Watt, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for bringing me a beer. Um, So, they all start with asking how people got into music. So, how, you know, from the beginnings of your mind, can you remember taking an interest in music? I think watching Rage, maybe. Yeah, okay. On the ABC. Um, I guess there was some really lame pop songs that I probably enjoyed when I was... Yeah quite young and uh i think the first cd i ever got was smash hits 95 or yeah. maybe 96 classic <laughs> but it had like the macarena and like yeah. stuff on it um from there i got into like savage garden and hansen yep i thought mbop by hansen was like the best song that had ever happened we followed a pretty similar trajectory <laughs> from the sounds of things and then from that I somehow, I think it must have still just been because of Rage or Video Hits or a combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, I got into The Living End and Area 7 and Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And then I discovered this website called mp3.com and started downloading all these free mp3s from like independent ska bands. <laughs> and Because I, I played trumpet. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess, yeah, if, if you take it even back further to being like a, a music fan, um, I my, my parents put me into like piano lessons when I was in like grade three. Yeah. And then I started playing trumpet uh, in like grade five or something and started getting into punk. And, and I think I took an interest in ska because it was kind of like cool, but... I played an instrument that was relevant yeah, yeah. to it. You could relate to the music yeah. that you're hearing. And uh, then a few years after that, um, I started to get into like new metal and a bit of hard rock kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Um, I still remember though the first time I heard Corn and was like, I thought this is fucking garbage. I'm like, they're not even <laughs> they're not even playing notes. This is fake music. Like, what the fuck? How could yeah. this possibly be music? And then a few years later, all that stuff started to kind of click. Yeah. And I got into like, I think it was like the Queen of the Damned soundtrack. Dude, great. I, I was so into that. And <laughs> yeah. around the time that I got into that, I started working at Red Rooster. And one of the managers there, who I'm still friends with to this day, I ended up living with him for a few years, a few years ago kind of thing. And um, he used to give me homework lists yeah. of bands to go and check out because yeah. he knew that I was obviously taking an interest in like corn and disturbed and, and sure. things and then he's like so give me these crazy lists of stuff to check out that had everything from like spine shank mud vein which like became my two favorite new metal bands yeah um to like system of a downed ministry faith no more uh even like botch and dillinger escape plan yeah yeah and then i think just from sort of the internet and stuff i came across like kill switch engage and then i saw a hate breed cd for like 10 bucks and it came up bargain bin it was perseverance and i just like i'd seen the logo around and i'm like i've got spare 10 dollars like i can do this yeah and i'd never heard them before and went home and like put it on and was like oh my god like i'm getting shivers now thinking about like the first time i heard <laughs> perseverance, perseverance. <laughs> Fuck yeah. um i would have been 15 or 16 yeah um and yeah, from, from metalcore, everything just kind of went yeah, and started finding out about death metal and black metal and sure. post metal and just all different sorts of metal. And it's all just kind of grown exponentially yeah. since so, then. So whereabouts did you grow up? Uh, Fernie Hills and, um, and Inogra was the first suburb I lived in. Then we moved to Fernie Hills while my parents were building their house. Yeah. out in Sanford and I moved out to Sanford when I started grade one this is just sort of outside of Brisbane yeah um and then I like two or three years maybe after finishing high school moved out of home close to the city to like uh, Highgate Hill and spent the next five or so years moving around to different parts of inner Brisbane yeah and then a year and a half ago I moved to Melbourne fuck yeah and like when when you were growing up, like as you said before, it was like you know your parents got you into enrolled into music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did that sort of like uh, inform you to continue like actively sort of performing music as it went along? Like, did starting at trumpet and piano and stuff then was that what led you to the other things, or do you think it was hearing like uh. alternative music and stuff that put, gave you a drive from there? I couldn't 100% pinpoint it to be honest but I guess I from like the earliest piano recitals and stuff that I had yeah because like our our piano teacher there was like a it was like a couple that lived down the road from the school husband Mm -hmm. and wife and um every six months or every year or something they'd do like an end of year concert with all their students and stuff and I I can kind of vaguely remember enjoying that or like you know my when guests would come around family friends and stuff my parents would be like go on go on play a song for, Perform, for yeah. uncle such and such and uh, i think i just kind of enjoyed enjoyed that and then um but, but yeah nothing really like spoke to me to the point of like that gut feeling of like holy shit like until i started really getting into metal i think when yeah. i was like and this is what i want to do and you know tens of thousands of dollars on musical equipment and um, private music lessons and exams. Like I did like grade, grade six, AMEB trumpet, I think grade three or four piano and similar with like music theory as well. So, and I played trumpet in like the army reserve band, cadet band for a little bit just because my dad was like a, cop slash ex-military dude who was real into that and i thought all right dad thinks that's a good idea let's do it and then i yeah like finished high school pretty much dropped piano and trumpet straight away and was like i'm gonna (laughs) teach myself how to play drums yeah so thankfully i was lucky enough for the our parents to like buy me and my brothers a drum kit to share and i started teaching myself how to play drums 
had a met a met a dude off the internet um, who was into the same sort of bands, and we started doing a metal band mm. called Western Decay. And yep. I remember we recorded a demo in um, our rumpus room with like a really <laughs> shit computer microphone. Perfect, the best way. So it was like a live demo with one crap mic, a full <laughs> drum kit and just one guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, after we recorded like a song or two, I was like, oh, I'm going to try, you know, putting some vocals over this. Actually, I remember I'd, I'd recorded my first attempt at like doing metal vocals. Um, I think I was recorded with the same crappy computer mic, but yep. I sang over the top of a throwdown song <laughs> and uh, an As I Lay Dying song. Yeah. And was like, hey man, this is what my voice sounds like. And he's and we're like, all right, let's give it a go. And I wrote some lyrics to the first ever song Western Decay wrote. And then it was like, okay, cool. This is what I actually want to do. I don't can't afford to buy a proper drum kit with yeah. all the symbols I want anyway. Let's find a drummer. Yeah. And then the band started happening from there. Yeah. And I haven't stopped trying to achieve the same dream that that band had ever <laughs> since. <laughs> Which is what covering covering, uh, covering, covering throwdown. <laughs> no, I just um when I started sort of getting insights into the the world of alternative music and metal and hardcore, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to see the world through music. Like, yeah. I want to release music on like big labels and play shows with my favorite bands and stuff. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like that's the best thing about being in a band. I think is like. I, you know, like I've always in my head, you know, since I started playing music was setting those sort of goals for myself. Like, again, like yourself, like I was like, I'm going to play with Korn one day and then <laughs> the next year is going to play with Pantera one day. Yeah. And then it's just changed until I found myself. Yeah. And then after that, it was like, you know, I've said it a number of times and I don't care, but like, I was like. Just all I need to do is play with I Hate God and then that's it for me. Yeah, and you've done that now. I've done it. And now I'm like, oh. you got to keep going. There's other things i got to do. you got to keep chasing that feeling. Yeah. Because I, I, I remember the first time, the first big international support slot um, Western Decay ever got was, I think, possibly the only big one. We did a couple of festivals with some international bands maybe. Um, but the first big, big international support we got was, um, Black Dahlia Murder and Cephalic Carnage. Yeah. And I just like, remember just fucking doing backflips for days. Yeah. I was so excited. And then eight or nine years later or whatever it was. And then when I got the confirmation that we were, my current band Colossus was going to be doing a full tour with the Black Dahlia Murder. I got that same feeling again. And yeah. Like, uh, you know, even, even like when I, when I got the email offering us this Thy Art is Murder tour in a couple of months, mm. um, even though those dudes are like my friends, I, I still like, it was, I still got that same feeling and I was like, you know, home alone, just running around the house, half naked, like jumping up and down in the hallway. So like, yes, yeah. yes. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it does, but I don't think that's. As far as I can feel at the moment, I don't feel like that's ever going to go away. And I, I think I don't think so. And I think, again, I, I've said it on this a number of times. I definitely think that people will never understand the Australian music, like alternative music scene, unless you grew up a part of it and have contributed to it and slaved away at it because it's such a hard thing to make, you know... A, a go out of like there's so many obstacles in your way here yeah. just because of where we are and because of you know venues in places are shit venues in places are awesome like scenes in places are awesome scenes in places don't exist scenes in places do exist but you have no idea that they're there and you work at something for x amount of years and then what's cool changes and yeah exactly just, yeah. and like it's sort of it's <laughs> I think that we're in a really tough spot in terms of like, you know, I admire anybody who can keep doing stuff, you know, as full on as they do for a long period of time. You, you know? often hear people from overseas commenting about like, like even just like you go on a YouTube for like 
I don't know, or a comment section about even someone like Amity or obviously like Parkway, all the bigger bands. And you have, you just see all these kids that are like in America and get to see like, uh, you know, their sport for choice with how many X amount of metalcore bands, whatever they can see every week. And then they're like, what the fuck is it with all the Australian bands? Why are these Australian bands always so much better? Like Australia's got something in the water. And I think it's just because to actually get to that level, you have to work so much harder yeah. than you would if you were a European or an American yeah. band. And I think so too. And I mean, like, I th- like, I mean, the only experience I have from touring internationally when I just went to Europe, but it was like, when we were over there, I think people honestly thought we were like insane because the entire time we were there, we were like over the moon about every single thing that was happening to us. And people were like, oh, this is like normal show stuff here. And I was like, yeah. you're fucking crazy. There's four cases of beer here, dude. What the yeah. fuck? Like, this is for us. Come on. Like, you know, and not just the alcohol things, but everything about doing that stuff. We were like... I'd still get excited about getting a good rider. Yeah. yeah. But like every day, we're like, we're in a new country. Yeah. And everyone there was like, oh yeah, we come here all the time. And I was like, well, tomorrow we're going to a different country. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It's so exciting. Like, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a thing. I don't know whether it's, and I only say this because I guess alternative music is the area of music I've been, you know, contributing to, um, sort of actively. But like, I don't know. I'm sure it's probably similar for blues and pop in Australia and stuff too. I'm sure it's just as difficult because of the, you know, roadblocks that are in the way. Mm. But certainly, at least for alternative music, there's like, you know, there's almost no money available to people unless you know the ways to find it Mm. and a lot of times that means doing things you don't want to do or sacrificing something for something else you know being really picky and choosy about what shows you do so you don't play all the time you know there's like a lot of things that touring is just more expensive here as well yeah you've got to drive for 10 hours to get to every city yeah exactly and it it doesn't make financial sense or logistical sense either most of the time to (laughs) own your own tour van yeah which bands in you know europe and the states seem to just all do and it's like yeah we just all just have to like f- fork out to hire like and then yeah and then fly home and that sort of shit yeah well well fork, fork out to hire and then spend 600 bucks a person to go to perth yeah and spend 12 hours you know like i mean the, the and there's a reason why and i'm sure everyone in adelaide is always like, why the fuck don't you come and play in adelaide it's like well I know for me, it was always like the last show. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, there's that, but also like, dude, it's twelve hours from Canberra, and that's fucking brutal. Like to do that every time you leave would just kill me. I had um one of the lowest, like mentally, one of the lowest uh, points in definitely the lowest point of this year, at least that I've felt (laughs) in doing music. Um, Colossus was on this Birds and Row tour yeah. in January and I am um, because the show was on a Tuesday night and that's when I do my radio show and I had like rushed out a pre-recorded show and was stressing out and had, wasn't getting any sleep and everyone else had you know was taking time off work to do this tour and like we weren't really getting paid and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and then finally get to Adelaide for this show on a Tuesday night six payers and I'm just like, I don't know, like, why am I, why? What am why I did, doing? Why? I'm 27 years yeah. old and I'm, why? <laughs> why am I still doing this? Why did I, what? And it was just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. But um, thankfully it hasn't really happened, happened again. since. <laughs> We've been playing good shows since then. You've always got to have those then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, it's another thing as well. And I think that's something to be said for... Like, it was a bit different, I think. I mean, and again, I can't speak for Adelaide because I'm not from there. But I think, I mean, it was definitely, I noticed that these things were a little bit different when I first started going to bigger shows and things like that. Because being from Canberra, there was never really that much going through Canberra. Generally meant you'd have to go to Sydney. Yeah. So when I sort of really started... I got to the point where like I was going to death metal shows in Canberra all the time and it was so sick and sort of getting into shows that I shouldn't have been going to sneaking in and things like that. And then 
sort of really loving American, European death metal and stuff. And then those bands, well, you know, would come to Australia every now and then, but they'd just do Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, yeah. go home. So I was like, okay, now I need to go to Sydney. So me and five of my friends would catch a Murray's bus, you know, at like seven in the morning on a Saturday for 40 bucks to go to Sydney, <laughs> stay at a youth hostel for the night and just be like, you know, in the underage you know, cornered off area watching Cannibal Corpse and just being like, this is fucking amazing. And then when that changed to touring bands coming to Australia every other week and going to every city, not just the major cities, it really like, I'm sure more than anything, it's probably fostered a lot of awesome local music scenes or helped push those things along. But I think at least in terms of someone who tries to do my own tours now it's definitely hurt things a little bit in the sense that like if i'm playing on in adelaide on a thursday or if i'm playing you know canberra or melbourne on a thursday but then fucking some enormous band that my band you know has some you know resemblance to is playing the next day yeah fucking forget about it like Mm. it's it's not happening for me (laughs) like my thing's out and that's another thing that's like again one of these like roadblocks i know for sure like for instance and again just because of the population and stuff as well like for sure when we were in europe there was days when we were playing in the same city on the same night as enormous bands and there was tons of people at the show we played and i'm sure there was fucking even more people at the other show (laughs) melbourne is the uh only city in australia that i think can deal with that Mm. um i would agree and I think that's why we've both ended up here. Yeah, probably <laughs> is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have a clash in like Brisbane and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What am we, I going to do? We cooked this tour. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't look at the calendar properly. Yeah. But then I've fucked up booking shows in Melbourne too. Like, um, and there'll be three or four other big shows on. Yeah. And you still do all right because... Melbourne just has all of the musos and all the sub scenes of metal and hardcore and it just seems to be able to sustain it. Um, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I think I like living here for that purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I like being able to pick and choose things as well. Um, yeah. But so you said earlier that you, you know, you had a desire to be involved with metal and you had, you know, like you wanted to contribute to it, I suppose. Yeah. When obviously that was in a band sense and then, but you also started doing things outside of just playing as well. Um, I remember because I think it was like, I started, I started writing reviews for an old website. Um, actually I think there was a couple of crappy international or American ones that I can't even remember the name of that. I started writing album reviews for and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, cause I always had an interest in writing and reading and journalism and, um, just naturally like, uh, some of them were quite embarrassing when I look back of it, but on it, <laughs> but like when I was on forums, I'd like make these threads to like, I'd be on like some American metal bands forum and be like, this Australian band is awesome and write a couple of paragraphs about why I liked it so much. And here's some links, here's a photo, like check it out everyone. And, and then I started kind of writing reviews for this website called noise theory and then that's when i guess sort of like publicists and pr types and stuff i started meeting those sort of people over emails and things and they hooked me up interviews and stuff and that's when i'm like started to realize well oh hang on people can actually like get jobs out of this and not work at red rooster (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and maybe maybe music is something that like i could just have as a as a career somehow one day and so it, yeah it started out as um, as music journalism yeah and um then i got kind of uh headhunted so to speak after a couple of years maybe of or a year or two of writing for noise theory yeah um i can't remember which one came first but there was two my first two big jobs real jobs i think in music were um there was this old uh used to at first it was called club phoenix then it became rosie's yeah this club in brisbane um 
because uh, we had this old venue called The Basement that shut down and then there was nowhere for metal gigs to be anymore. And one of my friends that I'd met through going to shows at The Basement, um, he and some other dudes started like convinced the owner of Rosie's to turn it into a metal club. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need someone to book like hardcore and metalcore shows. Um, we'll do that as a Thursday night thing. And he hit me up and I'd never considered being a booker or anything before. Yeah. But he saw that I kind of knew everyone in, yeah, at least in Brisbane. Yeah, he knew people in bands and stuff. And yeah. I guess he, he somehow knew that I'd be all right at it. And mm. they hit me up and were like, do you want to start booking a weekly club night? And I was like, sweet. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so that started happening. And then I just got involved in booking shows and tours gradually through that. Yeah. And the other thing was uh, this magazine called Death Before Dishonor yep. that Joel from Amity uh, was putting together. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it was his suggestion. It might have been one of the other writers, actually. Uh, you know, Nina? Yeah. Nina Blythe? Yep. She was, she was going to be a writer for it. And I think she might have suggested me. And Joel hit me up and was like, I'm starting a magazine. Um, I hear that you're all right at writing. Want to show me some stuff? Maybe you can be a part of it. And then that started happening. And then after a few issues, I eventually started getting paid to become the the editor of that. Yeah, right. So that and Rosie's were my first two paid roles in music. And at the time, uh, I was uh, studying creative writing. Like I was doing a, a, like a creative industries degree with sub majors in journalism, creative writing and music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically a glorified arts degree, Yeah, but I did a year of that. And then the magazine and the bookings started sort of taking off and I had, a, you know, my bands were getting busier. Yeah. And then I, the next year I kind of started failing uni subjects and I was like, yeah. I right, dropped back to part time. And then I still wasn't doing great cause I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. And all I was doing was like music shit all the time. And just and being able to pay my rent and stuff from it, so I was like, sweet, I don't need uni, and I dropped out. And then I did those things for a while, and then, um, then kind of Destroyer Lines came along with Snitch and everything, and then that sort of took over. Yeah. The Thursday nights that I was doing, and then Death Before Dishonor, um, ran out of money, and (laughs) I could fucking talk about that for hours. (laughs) But basically that stuff that, that just fucked up totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh then I had to start working in an office again. Yep. Well, again, for the first time really. So I got myself like a call center job and stuff and my bands broke up and for a while there I was like fuck, well I guess I gave it a good shot, the music dreams over. It. Yeah. Better go back to uni yep. after a little after a year of working in a call center and shit and Went back to uni and, you know, started doing some new bands and they started picking up again. And then um, I had a fucking bit of a breakdown about working in a call center. Yeah. And I was like, I hate my life. This is fucked. What, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to do this until I'm dead. Like, this yeah. is the worst. Come here every day for like 10 hours and... Not you know, enjoy work on any cell, of it. cell phones or do health insurance and the, all that sort of shit I was doing. And yeah. so then I um, hit up a mate who was doing uh, a venue slash recording studio called Sun Distortion mm-hmm. and started booking there. And that, yeah, then I started touring a bit more with a couple of bands that I was doing and things started picking up again. It was like, oh, awesome. And then I was still, I'd, I'd gone back to uni still anyway, but after a year of that, the Triple J thing came along. Um, I think in the middle there at some point as well, I did a short stint working for Skull and Bones Records. Uh, that, that was cool for a bit. Um, got some tour manager jobs and stuff out of that as well. Yeah. And then, uh, then yeah, eventually... I was just doing Sun Distortion and a couple of bands called Ironhide and Nuclear Summer. And then the job at Triple J got advertised and I applied for that, jumped through the hoops, got shortlisted a couple of times and then managed to end up getting the job. And then I was like, sweet, um, this is going to be way better than anything I could ever 
you yeah. have on a, from a degree on a resume or whatever. And so Fucking I felt nice. confident enough to drop out of uni for the second time and be like, I'm never <laughs> going yeah. back. And uh, that was three and a half years ago. Yeah. And things have been going real good. And I had a bunch more music related jobs since then. And Yeah. I mean, that, that's, yeah. A, that's a thing that I've been trying to not tease out of people and not, it's not like I have an aversion to it, but I think that I definitely spoke to Beccariato about it and I've spoken to some other people about it too. But like, I am enthusiastic about talking to someone who has found legitimate like reason and purpose from doing a music degree that has anything to do with the music industry, not just performance of music in the sense that I started doing that as well. I assume similarly to yourself, when I finished school, I was like, cool, so death metal forever. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. That's somehow I'm going to get paid. And then after like three months, I was like, wait, nope, that's not, <laughs> that's not realistic. Um, and, but I, I don't know. I think as far as I understand it and as far as the experiences I've had, all the stuff that you need to know about this world, you learn from doing it. From doing it. You don't learn from someone at school telling you how to do it. And that's uh, not... I, I I am... I believe in universities. I believe in tertiary education. I think it's very important for a lot of things. However, I don't currently see so much value of it in relation to the music industry. Yeah, like i Not knocking everyone that's done it, or anything um there are a bunch of people i know that work in the music industry that have done things like go to the music industry college or whatever the sure. tafe courses and things yeah. like that and music business management courses and things but typically the most clueless fuckheaded promoters that i've ever worked <laughs> with and like yeah. band manager types other sort of people that have come fresh out of one of those degrees and they start sort of trying to call shots and stuff and, and I'm just like I don't like how they do it and yeah. I'm like you don't get it yeah and a lot of those people will come along and think that they have like such and such entertainment and like they're gonna make a business of it and yeah. start trying to make money off these bands that don't have any money and stuff and then they they're not there two years later yeah they're, they're off working in a bank or something like. yeah <laughs> well I mean and I, I guess that shows as well and I, and I mean maybe that's just as like naive a thought as myself thinking when I finished school, like, oh, my mum's wrong. I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to keep playing two bass drums forever. Like that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Maybe that's the exact same like naive thought that those people have where they're like, I'm going to be a promoter yeah. and I'm going to go to uni, figure out how to do that. And then the second I'm done, I'm, you know, I'm bringing out Rod Stewart. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to be loaded. Like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, I am very interested to talk to someone who has a different opinion on that. So. My, my um, I'm the, the stuff I did with my degrees and stuff. Well, <laughs> my degrees, my hex debt that I have no <laughs> actual certificate the to show for. Portions of your degree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I've learnt a fair bit of stuff from a lot of that and i learned some skills that i think really helped like especially even with the radio stuff i did um the the second time around at uni i did some sound engineering stuff yeah. and that um gave me the perfect basis to be able to go into a a radio studio and or an editing booth and know sure. what to do yeah uh but i learned so much more about how the industry works and everything by just getting out there and doing it and i think that's how i ended up getting the job that i currently have because i had just put myself out there and yeah i knew everyone and i had had a little go at doing all sorts of things and basically everything but radio yeah and, sure. and at the end of the day that was like 95 percent more important than the fact that i had done some schooling you know, in it university whatever. education slightly related to it yeah so i guess when well let's talk about the radio that's an obvious thing we can talk about um so when that came up for you 
What what was like your I mean, obviously, I assume you were relatively excited when this role was offered to you. Um, I had to keep it secret for like three weeks. It was yeah. terrible. But like <laughs> when when you were go- when you were going into that, what was like, what was your initial thought or plan for? I mean, people of our age, at least, and I know for sure when I found out you were doing it, I was like, I know that guy. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm friends with that guy. We're on Facebook together. Like, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, like for me, it was like the perfect, like, changing of the guard, I guess, for yeah. our sort of common age bracket and friendship groups and stuff. And I, I saw it as like a thing of like, not to talk any shit on anyone who did it in the past, but just to say that like, it was time. It was time. For something new, you know? Yeah. Because- it had its run well and that will happen for anyone i remember in my in my interview uh one of the interviews that i did they're sort of like they were like do you listen to the radio and i was like do you listen to the racket do you listen to triple j much and i was like not really yeah i was like when i was first getting into music into heavy music i used to listen to um full metal racket um but then after a while I was like, these aren't the bands that I'm... There's all this new stuff happening and all these new bands aren't getting played or like by the time they were getting played, it was like, I already knew about this band three years ago. Why bother listening? Sure. So if I was in the car or something, maybe I'd listen to it, but I'd actually, the only real... I'd I'd tune into like Short, Fast, Loud because Stu would like occasionally have like an interview or a premiere or something that I was really interested in. But like, the yeah, the, the racket wasn't really something I was... Uh, really regularly listening to and I think they sort of asked me my opinion on like the show mm-hmm. and how the previous hosts had had done it and stuff and I think the way I said it was like um that show is kind of like for the dude with like long hair and a Slayer t-shirt and that's all it kind of caters to almost sure. and and I was, and I think I said, and not to say that that there's no place for that, but heavy music and, and metal is just so much broader these days. Yeah, it's and far there's, more diverse. There's and so many little sub scenes that aren't being represented in it, and sure. blah blah blah. And um, yeah, it's funny because I never, I never sat there and thought, oh, one day I'd love to get like paid to do a radio show. Like it was never my long term goal. Yeah, I'd sort of sniffed around at Four Triple Z years ago. Because one of the publicists, well, I think it was the head publicist from Roadrunner Records in Australia back in the day was like, you need to get yourself a radio show. Like, yeah. he's like, I think you'd be good at this. You need to do something. And I sort of sniffed around at 4ZZZ and they're like, uh, no, nah, like we've already got the people that do that. And then yeah. and I gave up on that idea real quickly and didn't really pursue it. But then when that came up and I was like, at first I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to apply to this for this job. I'm going to get it. But I was because I kind of saw that it was up and I was like, oh, cool. It was about time that happened. Yeah. Um, and then a few people started sort of going, are you going to apply for this, dude? Like, I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, hmm, maybe you're right. Maybe I should apply for this. Yeah. And um, as I got further into it, I sort of started to realize like, yeah, actually, I, re- I really want this. Yeah. I'm going to get this. I, I thought about it and mm. I was like, there's no one else in Australia that is as qualified and in the best position sort of to do this as me. Mm-hmm. I deserve this job. I'm going to get it. And in hindsight, it's my dream job, like my perfect job, but I just didn't realize that till I had it. Yeah. So once, once you did have it, what was like with those thoughts in mind and those things that you said to the guys at Triple J, what was like then your plan for the show for you? What was like your plan to be, I'm going to like pull in this diversity or was it I'm going to focus it this way or what was your plan after that? Um, I just wanted to let people know about all the other awesome stuff that was going on that wasn't really getting a look in on the show. Okay. Um, I've always been the guy at parties and stuff that'll get wasted and go, where's, you know, like, where's the stereo? Like, I'm taking over. Like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I was, or like, you know, in a, in a car or on tour, I was, I'm always the guy that's, uh, 
I think I think now that I have a more I have an out, a regular outlet for it, I'm less of that <laughs> person. Have you heard this? Have you yeah, heard but this? like I for, for like so long I was always that dude. Like, oh, have you heard this? Like, check this out. Or like, me and a bunch of mates would get together like three or four nights a week to just smoke bongs and like. <laughs> I'd always be trying to like be like oh no no it's like always trying to be in charge of the music and like yeah show people cool stuff and I guess I'm, and I wanted to take that further <laughs> and yeah. force force good shit on upon strangers yeah <laughs> and now that's you yeah that's sick well I mean I, I certainly think that um, like that I think the show now definitely reflects what I understand to be your personal interests but I think it also has a, you know, a balanced, um, uh, you know, comparative with things that are new and Australian and things that need I to... try not to make it all about me. I know that's obviously always going to... My well, personal taste will always in. influence yeah. it, but I also play a lot of stuff that I don't listen to outside of the show. Sure. Like, but I can, I can see, I go, oh, that band's working really hard or... Oh, heaps of people are getting into this band, yeah. or uh, this band's touring. Like, well, even if I like it or not, like, I'll you need to I'll play, play it because that's I mean, what it's there for. And I think the the other thing is, is like, I think anyone who sits there and goes like, "Fucking this cunt isn't playing," you know, this song by this band or this. No, he's playing too much of that, and like, it's well, mate. Like, that's why you're not doing the radio show because <laughs> if you were doing the radio show and you were playing full Slayer records every week. Yeah. You would well, have when the critici- 50 people listening to it. When I do get criticisms like that, because they do, do still sometimes happen, I try and take it on board. Yeah. And I'll look into it, but then... But sometimes people will just will be like, oh, it needs, like... This band needs to be played, and it's just like... It's just their mate's band that plays local shows, and I'll have a listen, and I'm like, I just don't think it makes the grade. So, yeah. And then... But but you know I I like to think that every band that is kind of qualified or deserving of it will ends up getting a spin like yeah well I mean it, I think it, it, I I would argue that that's the case it's I see reflection of young bands I see reflection of Australian bands I see new bands I see bands that you like I see bands that are super popular I see bands that are just you know, metal like stalwarts that are the ones that, mm. you know, people need to hear. I mean, I think it's a fairly mixed, you know, bag at the moment, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's working in a good sense. Um, but is that, so is that like, is that effectively like the goal that you have, you know, ongoing with the show? Is that... Yeah, to try and try and keep it um, relevant and, and fair. Um and I, I guess I, I want it to be a source of new music. I uh, every every week afterwards, um, I'll like after my show, I look back and I count how many songs there were. I'm, I do like a little, I do a little five ten minute ritual where I do a bunch of stats in my head by reading back over the playlist, and I go, okay, there was thirty five songs this week, fifteen of them were Australian. Okay, that's good enough, and um, and I'll uh, be like. Four of them I'd never played before. Awesome. I'd made it my thing to like every sure. week I need to play one band that I've never played before. Yeah. And lately another thing I that I've sort of added into that s- sort of stat in the last year or six months or so has been trying to have more like female inclusion as well and make okay. sure that there's always at least one or two bands that have a female member. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen because, you know, it is... A massively male-dominated genre sure. as is, but uh, there's been like one or two shows. I think there was like a show, maybe. I think the first. It took like it took like nearly three years, I think, till it happened. But I looked back over the playlist at the end of the night and went, oh, "I didn't play anyone I've never played before," and I was so <laughs> fucking bummed. And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck!" Yeah, I was on such a good streak with that, <laughs> and now like there was no one new this week. Mm. That sucks. I fucked it up. Yeah, <laughs> but you know it's just a statistic in my mind. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I try and make sure there's at least one band that I've never played before every week. Um. But that, that and I think the longer it goes on, though, the more I do kind of, and the more the audience like you know it like, the more certain types of well, 
the more certain people will sort of stick with the show and stuff, the more it has got its own kind of more consistent theme, I guess, running through it in a a way. Uh, But I still always, yeah, do try and have new stuff in there every week. And uh, I'm just want to do the best job that I can with it for the time that I'll have it for, because it's not going to last forever. And I don't want to be a 40 year old dude um, trying to understand what the kids are into when I'm 40. Cause I think, I think it would be stupid of me to think that I'm still going to be able to have my finger completely on the pulse and be completely understanding of what's going on yeah. with heavy music in 10, 20 years time or whatever. Sure. I'd like to get to 10 years mm-hmm. with doing the show. I think that would be a cool milestone. And then I don't know who knows what will happen. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be like, no, not letting this go. I've still got it. It's still <laughs> fine. But, but I like to think that 10 years, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with 10 years of it. And then after that would be time for someone else to have a turn. Yeah. Sick. Um, because it is young people's music generally. Yeah. I don't know. Metal, but that said metal is aging. Yeah. All the same bands are still sort of kicking around and still releasing albums like Fear Factory releasing like their 50th fucking album this yeah, week. Yeah. But like, but I mean, I, I, I agree. And I, and I think that's, that's, you know, what I was saying when I started talking about this, I think that there, it, it does reach a point where it's like, you know, this needs to change. And I think yeah. that's what Stu saw maybe when he, you know, faced himself out of the show yeah. he was running as well. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent certain of that, but I would say that there's definitely a thing in there as well that like, this can't be the same thing forever. Like this needs to change because um, the people are changing. I think I was... I was one of the first people to know that Stu was uh, leaving. It was after some music awards night, the some independent music awards thing. We were sure. having some drinks at an after party. And I was like, so you're going to you sign him back on for next year? And he's like, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah. And uh, I think he just recognized that. Well, I was, I was like, like, why or whatever? And he's like, my son is the age of the target audience now. Almost. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's time for me to to move on um and i think even like the i think people at triple j wanted him to stay and they're like no no you're gonna do another year and he's just like no it's my time yeah and i really respect him for being able to do that and and, and not hold on and let the show become you know a a parody of itself or just or become too dated or out of touch or something not saying that's where it was at but i think he recognized that Mm that's where it could potentially started to head. Yeah. And it was time for time a to change of the guard. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, do you want another beer? Sure. And we're back with beers. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. So I think we've pretty well covered your um, journalistic experiences thus far. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Colossus. Um, Obviously, this was an existing band prior to you. It's the funniest story about how I became a part of it. Let's fucking hear it, dude. (laughs) So, um, uh, I got hit up to try out for this band to record a demo, this band that wasn't Colossus. Um, It was Tom that used to play in Die Out as Murder and Chris that used to play in House First Hurricane and now plays in Dream on Dreamer. Yep. They were working on a project and they sent me some demos and it was like misery signals architects kind of style stuff and i was like cool yep this sounds cool let's i'd I'd be happy to to do something like this yep and i hit up my friend mike deslins um to help me record a demo for some vocals i'd written for it um i knew him because uh my old bands had like recorded at his old studio and he'd mixed one of my other band's albums and yeah uh, I'd re- I just knew that from my brief working with him that uh, he was, I really, I just really liked recording vocals with him. He seemed to, to, to get it. And yeah. uh, so I hit him up to do a little demo and I recorded this demo. And then afterwards, after I'd done the track, he's like, oh, you check out what I've been working on mm-hmm. and showed me the first few tracks of the Colossus album with the previous singer or the current, the, the then current singer on it. And I was like, holy shit. I've never heard anything quite like this. Like, this is sick. Like I, who's putting this out? I want to be involved. Yeah. Like I'd seen Colossus once before and, uh, I was pretty impressed 
and I'd booked them on a show um, but I with Palm mm-hmm. this band I toured a couple of years ago but I wasn't able to actually make it to that show yeah um, but I'd sort of had some small relationship I guess with them already and anyway I hit up Chewy the old singer and I was like Who, I heard your album who's releasing it because it's awesome and he's like oh no idea do you want to do it yeah um because for anyone listening that might not might not know i've done a little independent label called monolith for three or four years now Mm -hmm. um maybe even longer i can't remember um (laughs) but uh yeah i hadn't really released anything for a little while and i was super stoked on the album so he was like yeah let's do it and we started talking and uh, I was setting up like a proper distribution deal and all this shit for it. And the, there's a couple of dudes in the band who were like coming back with all these weird sort of <laughs> requests and demands <laughs> and things. And um, they're like, well, we want this percentage of this. And I'm like, that's not how it works, man. Like, and, <laughs> and eventually it got to the point um and it was like flip-flopping between it was going to be vinyl and digital then it was going to be cd and everyone was changing their minds about shit and and i remember saying to joy the now ex-guitarist of the band uh, after like so many back and forth i went you know what dude i don't want to release this anymore yeah i'm fucking over it it's gonna make me hate this album (laughs) which i'd already been listening to so much because i fucking loved it i was like uh, yeah, this shit's going to make me hate you guys. I don't want to go through with this anymore. Mm-hmm. And they were about to leave for a tour of Asia at the time. And he's like, yeah, dude, I understand. Um, and I was like, well, good luck in Asia. Let me know if you can find a label that's willing to give you into your demands. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd like to know what label that is. Yeah. Um, and anyway, they went off and toured Asia. And uh, the day after they got back or something, the guitarist who's still in the band, Mike messaged me and was like hey man um sorry i think we came across the wrong way i think we're being too overprotective and about stuff um we've talked about it heaps overseas and we realized now that what you're offering was actually a really good deal and we would love for you to release the album and i was like all right sweet cool you just got to trust me let's do it bang let's go yeah and literally the next day i got a call from joy Mm. who's like Hey man, um, Chewy just quit the band. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to join? And I was like, whoa. Because um, the album was all mastered and I was like, I was literally going to be sending it off to the vinyl pressing plant that week. Yeah, right. Basically. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, I'll do it if I get to re-record the vocals though. I don't want to join a band and release an album with someone else's sure. vocals. And he's like, yep, 100%, cool, let's do it. And I had one jam, and then we started recording, re-recording the vocals. And it was a huge process because it was an analog mix. So the album had to be completely remixed from the ground up almost. Yeah, brutal. Fucking hell. I lost my voice through the recording process <laughs> and thought imagine. it was broken forever. <laughs> I had to... I tried, uh, it was fucked and I just couldn't get my voice back after weeks and weeks. I ended up seeing an osteopath and got this weird massage and something clicked back into place and I smashed out the, the last track. And, wow. Um, then we released the album and things have just been happening really easily since then. It's the, yeah. it's the first band I've ever done like I, that I haven't... Like we, I booked the album shows basically and since then... That's well. I helped help book a few things for us overseas when we did Asia again. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's just like the first band I've ever done where I haven't had to do absolutely everything to make shit happen. It's like people want us on their tours and gigs, yeah. and people are into it, and it's it's got a life of its own now. Um, we've even had a couple of member lineup changes since I joined. Um, so from I think from the outside, it might look like we're kind of. Like it's possibly an unstable band maybe, but that's not the case yeah. at all. It's like, we've talked about it a bit and it feels like it's this band that just accident, like, cause it was, it started as a side project yeah, and it just, um, accidentally found itself and, um, 
fucking stoked as with how it's all going yeah <laughs> that's awesome um and what are the things that like you guys have from now like what's the plan from now obviously the lineup has sort of changed considerably since the last record yeah has is new music starting to reflect those changes as well uh yeah well, we started writing another album that we're planning to record around february march next year mm-hmm. um the big difference for me will be that because uh, I guess I got to record the vocals for for Unholy, the existing album, but I didn't write them. Mm-hmm. The phrasing was already there. The, the lyrics were already there. I just kind of played around with the tones a little bit, changed a few minor phrasing things, but it was basically almost as Chewie had done it, just with a different voice. Sure. And now I get to actually write them from the ground up. Yeah. So it's going to be fairly different, I think or maybe not necessarily different but uh it'll be mine yeah at least. for sure yeah. um it'll now be mine well you know you'll put far more investment into something when you have you know yeah. you've committed to it and you've contributed and you have ownership with it and stuff and yeah ev- that's the w- the only thing that i'm currently missing in this mm-hmm. band is the fact that i'm not speaking my mind when i'm on stage as such sure i relate to the lyrics yeah. i really dig the lyrics but it's not my personal thoughts sure. so to speak yeah um i understand i mean it'd be the, the same trying to get value out of singing in a cover band or something kind know? of like, yeah it's a bit like that at times but um yeah we've uh started writing new stuff and i think because unholy was written over like four years there's like a couple of songs on there that were like some of the first songs the band ever wrote so i yeah. think stylistically it's a little bit all, all over the place mm-hmm. it all st- still sounds like the same band but it's like one track is like a real death metal song and then then the next track is a real black metal black and roll song and then there's like a slayer song and then there's like yeah. the behemoth songs and uh i think the i think the title tracks there's like the last three tracks on the album were like the the last ones they wrote and that's where the band was like, ah, this is what the we focus sound like. Came into play this is or yeah, this is this is what we want to do. And I think, um, with our new guitarist Lewis uh, and Mike, um, they've just been working together really well, writing lots of new stuff, and it's just uh, it's going to be more consistent and focused. I think. Cool. Um, and uh, we're going to go for a very. A, bit of a different production style i think there's going to be a bunch of kind of synth and orchestration stuff in there as well cool there's probably going to be maybe not necessarily full clean vocals i don't know we'll see what the songs if the songs call for it maybe but there'll be a lot more melody in some of the vocal parts as well Uh and um yeah really pumped on what we've written so far we're kind of it's we're simplifying it a little bit like mm-hmm. we could have you know especially we're playing with like bands like psychroptic and stuff and yeah very tech all these bands that are like super tech and yeah. we could have we, we were sort of like at a bit of a almost we were at like a crossroads and it's like right we'll do do we get more tech and crazy or do we do we keep with the, the punk hardcore kind of vibe of the band or and so we've Maybe meeting in the middle a little bit, but um, going for just a more simple, catchy kind of vibe, I think, as opposed to going crazy in tech. We want to write songs that are going to be fun live that'll, you know, we we want to write songs that'll go down well at a huge festival crowd kind of thing. We don't want want to be a band that's like a a technical wow band. Yeah. I think that's... I mean, that's sort of the goal that I have always had with writing music as well, is that, like, I obviously want to enjoy it myself, but then at the end of the day, if I just wanted to enjoy it myself, I'd fucking sit in my room and play guitar by myself. Like, yeah. that's all I do with it. If I've, I'm going to all this effort, financial commitment, tearing my hair out for logistics to put something out, I want to make sure that when it's out people actually enjoy seeing it you know people get involved and enthusiastic about it and i could only ever hope that people get a glimpse of how you know much enthusiasm i put towards the bands that i love you know like that's 
the feeling I want to try and give people. Yeah. That's my goal. And it's not, I say with yourself, like I, there's something to be said for people who really want to do what they want to do. That's great. And they really want to be technical and they very considered musicality and all that sort of stuff. But then as well, like I just want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want people to have fun and enjoy it and stuff like that. We're, we're more concerned with rocking out than shredding. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Me too. Fuck yeah. Um, all right. Well, is there anything you have the need to advertise or spruik to the people who listen to this podcast? Um, Your radio uh, show, obviously. Yeah, that gets, that gets <laughs> enough spruiking. <laughs> Uh, I'm in the process of releasing a new record for a secret death that yeah. people should maybe listen to if they haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Just got the test presses the other day and they sound fucking awesome. Right. Um, so if you're in- into Converge and Poison the Well and Cult of Luna stuff. Um, Check that out. Secret Death is still, have, you know, 15 years later, they still it took them seven years or something between albums, but they still did a second album. It's out there. Records are on the way. They're hopefully playing some shows in December, finally, off Sick. it. Um, but other than that, um, I think that's, that's all it. I really need to pimp. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you very much for coming and drinking beer and talking to me. Thank you. Brutal.